We ask God, what do you want us to know? We always ask that because we're certain that we don't know everything that's going on. Because if we did know everything that was going on, it wouldn't scare us, it would give us peace. We are so excited for another chance to partner with Callian Wax Co. These are my favorite candles, you guys. And if you buy two, you get the third completely free when you use our code made for this. You can shop Callian Candles at C-A-L-Y-A-N waxco.com slash made for this. Hey, welcome back. It's Chloe, and I am really excited because this is part two of a really, really amazing conversation with Jenny and Jamie Winship. If you haven't listened to episode one already, don't miss that. Here we go. Here is Jenny and Jamie Winship. Well, if you missed last week, we are having incredible conversations for three weeks in a row with Jamie Winship. And Jamie and his wife and his children often lived overseas. And I don't think it was clear in the last episode. He never went to work for the CIA. Yeah. What did you do? Yeah. What do you do? Yeah. So this is, no, this is so, it, it, it's important for, for people that, especially younger people, as you're thinking about career and all that sort of thing. When the CIA interviewed me the second time, they asked me what would I do in a scenario they were trying to work out and had, couldn't figure out. And I said to them, I would change the paradigm that you're operating under. And so when, and they agreed. And so when we went, talked, talked about what, how the different parad, what the different paradigm would look like, I said that it would be better for the, the job that you're trying, the task you're trying to accomplish if the person who was doing the, the job didn't work for you. And I tried to explain it to him. And so if, if, if as a believer, as a person who knows the scripture, and I said to them, I'm, I'm, I want to take the challenge of the issue. I want to, I'll move over there and do it. I, I believe that God is inviting me into this. But if I go in there and work the counterinsurgency thing that you want to work, the reason that it's going to, that, that it's going to work and that, that, it, that it's going to be victorious is because the, the people involved are going to be transformed by Christ. And that's going to happen. Of course, they didn't even understand what I was talking about, but I didn't. It, it was okay. I said, but what, what's going to happen? So when the person comes to faith in Christ and they decide not to participate in terrorism, when they find out that, that, that this beautiful kingdom that they've heard about, this gospel, is associated with U.S. foreign policy, it'll corrupt it. It'll cor- and I said, it's like when the demons were announcing Jesus, is, this, is the idea that Jesus the kingdom of God is associated with this group over here, and it's not. It's its own purity. So I said, it would be better if you just let me take the task myself. I'll build a team. We'll go in there without you being involved in it. Which was incredibly risky because yes. you didn't have the protection of the military right. when you would go in these places. None. And we didn't have the protection of the U.S. government at all. And so when I got arrested on another occasion, and I just let the um, wait another occasion yeah. like that happened more than once. You've yeah, been arrested. That, yeah, this happened more than once. <laughs> um, so in the first the first assignment that I took, you know, I we were hired by the government of that country. We didn't work for the U.S. government; we worked for the government of that country that we went to. And in the first couple of months, I got arrested and put on trial for a mistake I made. It was my fault. And so when I notified 
you know, the U.S. Council, consulate, they were like, good luck. Wow. There's like, you know, there's, we're not going to, we're not going to get involved in this. And all of that, again, was back to learning. The Lord wanted me to learn. Some men trust in chariots and horses, and some men trust in the Lord our God. And he didn't want me to live this career trusting in some government to rescue me. Because then my hope and trust is in the government, not in the one who knit me together in my mother's womb. That was hard to do. And so the very first time I was arrested and put on trial and the penalty was 10 years in prison in a foreign prison, my question to the Lord was, are you here with me 10,000 miles away from anyone I know and any help that I would know to call out to? are you still able to move and work in this situation or are you only strong in the U.S.? It's interesting because this is how the Lord works us out of things we believe about him that are not true, but we never face how not true they are because we'll never let ourselves be in a situation where we can really see, do you really believe God is with you? Mm. We will we'll protect ourselves from that happening and that's unfortunate. Because what happened? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because then you get to see the Lord move and in people and places that you think are beyond God. Mm. And what scares us as humans ultimately is that we're in that we're going to end up in a situation where we're powerless and alone. And all humans are afraid of that. And so we have to we have to live a life of self-protection and self-promotion. And so even our relationship with God is not like, God, I will follow you and you make me to become everything that I am. Like Kierkegaard said, with God's help, I'm becoming who I am. Where you lead, I will follow. Why? In order that I can become all that you have made me to be. What stops that is me saying, but I don't want to get hurt, right? Or I don't want it to cost anything. And um, and so and and what the Lord wants to show each of us is that is that I will never leave you nor forsake you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Most of us go through our lives. That's only a verse. It's only ever a verse. It's not the reality of what we live in. And when it is, you you have never understood freedom when you know that kind of freedom. So, do you still feel afraid? Yeah. Yes. But yes, because. Fear is a gift. Fear is a gift. Fear is a very powerful, beautiful emotion. All emotion is a gift. But what the value of fear is fear makes you awake. Fear keeps you alert. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. To be a fearful of the Lord. What I'm afraid of in my life more than anything else is what Moses said, that the Lord's going to go somewhere and I'm going to stay here. Or that <laughs> I'm going to go somewhere and the Lord's going to stay here. I don't want that to I will not let that happen. If the Lord moves, I'm moving. If he stops, I'm stopping. I'm afraid to do anything where he's not the one in the lead. But the other kind of fear, the fear that is self-protection and self-promotion, is the number one in exhortation in Scripture where God is saying to humanity, more than any other exhortation, don't be afraid because fear becomes our main decision maker in life. It becomes the overriding way. Do I take this or not? What's the safest thing? What's the most secure thing? What's the wisest thing? 
that's that's when fear is not just keeping you awake it's now making the decision right so fear the goal of fear is to challenge you that whatever you're about to do or believe is going to hurt you that's what fear does as soon as you address the fear the fear disappears but if you don't address it if you just try and cope with it 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 goes in and down and it gets deeper and deeper and the anxiety becomes greater and greater and the depression greater and greater because we keep separating from the one who is our peace by trying to protect ourselves. So I want to be clear when he's talking about these situations that he he literally is going into war-torn areas in the midst of the war, not afterward, right, yeah. but in the midst of it. Yeah. So let's talk about, I remember one of the stories that you t- you told was about inviting a high-ranking official to come with you. Yeah. Because you got to speak to the Senate or you you were given mm-hmm. favor in these yeah. places. Yeah. Talk a little bit yeah. about that. Yeah. So I was, yeah, I was, I was speaking at um at a thing in Washington, DC, and we were talking about strategy and, you know, in the Islamic world and that sort of thing. And and this person walks up to me who I didn't know at the time, and he says to me, I want to know if you're the real deal, which I thought was a great, I love that question. And I said, what does that mean? I don't know what that means. And he says, anyone can stand up and tell stories about anything. I want to know if you're the real deal. And I said, well, if I try and tell you that I'm the real deal, that makes me not the real deal. <laughs> so the, be- the best thing to do is, do you want to come with me to a place that is very hard, that I, it's fearful for me going there. Why don't you come with me there? And in that place, we'll see what God does. I mean, <laughs> what an offer. So, I mean, first of all, this is a high-ranking visible person. So yeah. how does that even work? Yeah, well, we had to get a lot of clearance. And um, yeah, a lot of clearance for him to be able to go with me. But he he did it. And he, this guy's very, he's an impressive, very impressive person. And he's younger than me. And so that was also interesting. So he was looking at me sort of as, as like a, an older person that might be a mentor to him. But he wanted to make sure that that I was real, that that when things, when it really came down to it and you're really down in the dirt, that what I was saying, because I was talking about hearing from God as a strategy of counterinsurgency, counterterrorism, which, you know, if you can imagine the faces of the people that you're talking to and you're like, I did it the other day, we were with a special forces team and um, at their request, and we spent uh, a whole weekend time with them. One of the highest trained teams that the U.S. has. And I was talking to him about love. And it's so, you think like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go in there and talk to these professional people who are, you know, the most high resiliency people the U.S. has about love, but it's really true. And by the end of the time, those men were brokenhearted about their identity, right? So, yeah, so I so I said to him, do you want to come with me? And he said, yeah. And so we worked it out and we went on this uh, mission together. There's three of us, me and him and another guy. And Jason Bourne, right? That was yeah, right. He's, yeah, I call him Jason Bourne. <laughs> Whatever you know about Jason Bourne, that's what this guy's like, all of it. And um, and so we go into this region in the world and it's very, it's not even easy to get there. And so it takes a lot of work to get there and have to use a, a foreign military to actually take you into a certain place and then they drop you off and then you have to travel into the... And wait, how come you get to go? What's the... Oh, it's so interesting. 
because everywhere we go, we're invited into. Let's put it that way. That We learned a long time ago that if God is who God says God is, then we don't have to sneak our way in. We will be invited in by God. And then, and we, when we know God is inviting us, which is just a prayer contemplation thing, then we start looking for the doorway in. And, and um, so we're, we're not particularly secretive about what we do because good internal security in, in countries, they know everything that's going on. You, you, I mean, we could say it's an underground church. They, 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 um, t- trust me, they know every single thing that's going on in their country. There's no hidden anything. So we don't even we don't even really try and hide like that. We're known as, can I just tell you a short story? That in, the country that we were going into had a death penalty for anyone that becomes a Christian. And so we were able to get into a dialogue with some of the religious leaders of that country. I didn't orchestrate that. Someone else did. But then, then I was invited into those conversations. So we went to meet with the senator in that government who instituted the death penalty for anyone that becomes a Christian. So the, so for those listening to this, I want you just to think about what would you say if you got in to, to sit in a room and have a conversation with a person who has made an, on television, he made the law that if you convert to Christianity, you're going to be executed, and God invited you into a room with that person, what would you say? <laughs> and Jesus said, don't worry about what to say when you sit before kings and princes, because the Father will give you what to say. The Spirit. Now, either that's true or it's not true. But there's one way to find out whether it's true or not, right? Is to go try it. And so we got the opportunity. And, and so what I wanted to do was bring a young guy with me so the young man could see how to do this later in his life if he ever and by this it. you mean trust god basically right. that's, that's right <laughs> and so and we go meet this official and um in the end of the by the end of the conversation he decides to repeal the law and he goes on television and he and he repeals the law um after that conversation so it's in that country so that country that we did that in has has an internal terrorist movement operating in it and so we were invited into the training. Yeah, how to how to stop that from happening. <laughs> so so we have to go meet with these tribal leaders who are influenced by the the um, external terrorist organization that's trying to recruit their young men. So we're going to go meet with these tribal Islamic leaders. So me and this me and this Jason Bourne guy and another guy. So we get all the way in and we get into the camp. It's out in the middle of the desert and we have to go in at night. We get into it in the middle of the night and I say to them, they've never been in this situation before. So I said, look, I've been here before. This is what's going to happen. We're going to come in at night. They'll come out. They'll find us in the desert. They'll guide us in. Then they're going to put us in these giant Bedouin tents. They're going to put us in a tent in a room they're going to let us sleep. The next morning, we're going to get up in the next room in the tent. We'll be a table on the ground with food and everything, and they won't come in while we eat. It's their custom to let you eat in private, so you'll eat as much as you want. Then when we're done, they'll come in, they'll clear it, and then they'll invite us to meet in with the tribal leaders. So that's what happens. Come in. We come in the next morning into this other tent. There's The table is set, and uh, there's three of us, and there's four places set. So 
the, the younger guy says to me, why, why are there four places set? And I said, I don't know. I've, and he said, well, do they, this is how he thinks, well, do, do they set four places the last time you were here? And I said, no. And he said, well, why are they putting an extra plate? I don't know. I, I don't know why they're doing that. So each, and then we go meet the leaders, but each meal, there's these four places for the three of us. So finally, after we've kind of negotiated with the leaders, we were in a pretty good place with them. One night we're sitting with them drinking tea and my friend, the young guy, are you the real deal, says, I'm going to ask him why they put the extra plate. It's driving him crazy. And so he, it turns out he could speak the language of the place, which I didn't know. Like he didn't tell me. I don't even know if I know his real name actually, but... So he switches into their language and he asks them, when we're at the table, when we go eat, why is there an extra plate? And they're, they're confused. And they said, for the, for your, because there's four of you. And he, he looks at me and he's like, they, they think there's four of us. And now I kind of, now I know, cause I've seen this happen before in another situation. And I'm like, I'll let him go with it. And so he asks them, he says, so there's an, there's four of us. And they're like, yeah, the guy, your security guy. <laughs> and he said, our security guy. And they said, yeah, the guy, the guy outside, your security guy, the guy that stands outside while you are, you guys are sleeping, your guard, your security guy, that big guy. And, <laughs> and the guy looks at me and he's like, they think we have a security guy. And he's, then he looks back at them and he, he says to the, to the tribal leaders, what does he look like? <laughs> and then they realize we can't see the security guy. And then they, among themselves, they start using the word malaikat, which is the word for angel. And they realize, and we realize, that w we have some kind of angelic security figure <laughs> outside of wherever we are. And they, and the, the tribal leaders were saying, malaikat Allah, malaikat Allah, the, it's an angel from God. That's wow. what they were saying. And so, and then they said, we wanted to ask you about your security guy. Why does he have a sword? <laughs> and we were like, our guy has a sword. <laughs> and then we all were like, our guy has a sword. That night when we were back in our alone in the dark, it was pitch black out there. He says to me, the younger guy says to me, how many security people do you think we really have? And you know that passage where Elisha, I think it is, says, open the eyes of the servant and the servant sees the fiery hosts of God to show that what you think is true is not what's true. Mm. And that's why we ask God, what do you want us to know? We always ask that because we're certain that we don't know everything that's going on. Because if we did know everything that was going on, it wouldn't scare us. It would give us peace. And so that's how he and I started working together from that event. And his thing, he said to me that night, he, he's in the dark. He goes, I know you're the real deal now. <laughs> so I became the real deal. And when he's with any of our sons, our, our sons are adults now and in different professions, when he's with our sons, he, he always says to him, you know your dad's the real deal, don't you? He always <laughs> says that to him. Y'all, I'm about to give you a free Christmas gift idea, okay? You have got to go try these Kalyan Waxco candles. I'm a candle snob. I am. I don't like a lot of the candles that you would maybe buy at the mall, if you know what I mean. I like the candle to smell amazing, but kind of just chill in the background, you know? Like not knock you over when you walk in. And 
Italian candles are amazing, like legitimately amazing. And their pumpkin and spices soy candle and their fur and clove, they have a home and holiday. Like I could go on and on about these candles because they smell so good and they're on regular rotation at my house. So I'm really excited that we're partnering with them because just for you guys, they are doing a buy two, get the third one free. It is the perfect gift and addition to your home because it's warm and cozy seasonal candles. And then what is awesome about Callian is that they give 5% of every online purchase to trusted nonprofits that are working to empower brave young survivors of human trafficking. So every single candle purchase gives hope. Callian Wax Co. is now in over 450 Whole Foods markets across the United States, which is insane. They handcraft fresh and fragrant 100% soy wax candles that people are going wild for. Again, this is your Christmas strategy. Go buy two candles and you get the third one completely free when you use the code MADE FOR THIS. You can shop Callian Candles at C-A-L-Y-A-N-WaxCo.com slash made for this. And I'm going to put the link in the show notes. I'm even going to put some of the fragrances that are my favorite, but y'all, they have like three wick candles and these cute little gold tin candles that are like so affordable and great for teacher gifts or neighbor gifts or add-ons to different things. Like I know candles are hard to buy over a screen because you can't smell them, but this is where I need you to trust me. You've got to try them. You can shop Callian Candles at C-A-L-Y-A-N waxco.com slash made for this. When you buy two candles, you get a third completely free when you use the code made for this. Well, you can't make this stuff up. It's too crazy. It's just hilarious, I think. And so I want to get back to the question, two questions that you ask. And in the next episode, we'll, we will get deeper into what does it look like to discover that identity and, and how do we do that in right. our places. But those questions, specifically the what do you want me to know, came from a conversation when one of your friends that you respect deeply came to a point where one of their children, they, they couldn't have children. Right. There was infertility. Right. And that they were really wrestling with God. That's and right. talk about just how those questions are even helpful in the wrestling and the yeah, difficulty. I think that's that's a that is I'm so glad you asked me that. So yeah, and this is this is I think just part of life and in the wrong way that we think about things. But yeah, so one of my one of my friends, one of my colleagues was struggling. Yeah, they had been married a long time. They weren't able to have children, you know, no real reason, no real medical expl- explanation. And it was causing them to feel abandoned or distant from God or, you know, like something was wrong with them. And so and they had never talked about it with anyone. So we were together once and that person said to me, I I can't hear from God. That's what that's how it started. Like I can't hear from God. And I said, "Well, what are you trying to hear about?" And he said, "Yeah, I, my wife and I are, are aren't aren't able to have children." And I said, "Well, what are you asking God?" And he said, "I want to know why." And I said to him, I said two things to him. One I said, "Number one is read if you read the scriptures." And he this guy knew the Bible. I said, there is very few times, maybe none, where God answers a why question. 
because the explanation is too great. I mean, mm. you wouldn't even begin to understand the depth of what's involved in a why question. I think Job asked a lot of them. And before the Lord would answer, he said, let me ask you a few questions first. <laughs> and then Job withdrew his question. And I said, so that's one thing. And the other thing is I said, because because I, this guy was a military guy, and I said, when you get when you receive an order from your superior, do you look at him and go, why? No. No, I never would. But well, here's the question God will always answer. What do you want me to know? He'll always tell you what he wants you to know about something, but he doesn't. he's not obligated to explain himself to you. So why don't you ask this question? God, what do you want me to know about having kids? Just try that. And he was. we were together, and so we tried that. And that's when he heard mm. from the Lord. He heard the Lord speak into that, and it was life-changing for him. They have four kids now. So No, it is. They're life-changing questions. And I know for a lot of people, they're going, wait, I just don't hear anything. I ask God, I don't hear anything. What would you say to those people? Yeah, I would say, yeah, I would say a couple of things in... But first is like, ask God, what do you want me to know about whatever it is that's troubling you? What do you want me to know about my fear? People come up to me and say, you know, this is going on in my life. And I'll say, how does that make you feel that that's going on in you? How does it make you feel? Forget that what's going on. How does it make you feel? It makes me feel afraid. God wants to deal with your fear before everything else. He wants to take away that fear because once the fear is gone, the real you can engage God. Mm. The fear prevents the real you from being open and free with the Lord. It separates you from God. When, When Jesus walks into the room after the crucifixion, the disciples are locked in a room after the resurrection in their fear. They're locked in their own fear. Jesus comes through the door into their fear. He doesn't call them out of it. He comes inside of it. And the very first things to him he says is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Your fear is shutting you down. So I always ask people, how does it make you feel that this is going on? It makes me afraid. God, what do you want them to know about their fear? Because the fear is is pointing to the deepest lie you believe about God or yourself or another. That's what the fear is valuable for. It's pointing to the lie. My fear is that God has abandoned me. Okay, we got to deal with that right now. My fear is that God is either unable or unwilling to help. We need to deal with that right now before we get to the issue. Because that's what the Lord wants to remove, that. Once that's out of the way, oh my gosh, it's so much more beautiful embracing, even suffering for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Why? Because his fear was gone. His fear of death was gone. His fear of separation was gone. And joy led him forward into the cross. And that's what the Lord wants for us. He wants us to move in joy, not in fear. So these things that happen to us, he's, it's like him saying, come ask me about your fear. Come ask me about your fear. Like the disciples when Jesus is sleeping and they're in the hurricane and they say, he must not care about us because we're going to die. Both of those are false statements. And that's what Jesus wants them to come to. What do you really believe about me? I don't, you don't care about us. And what's the other thing? We're going to die. Then he stands up and he takes away the fear of both false beliefs. That's what he wants. Next week, we have one more week with Jamie Winship. You are not going to want to miss it. We are going to talk about fear. We're going to talk about identity. We're going to talk about living into the fullness of all that God has created you to do because we need you in this fight. We need you to be building the kingdom. Every single person listening to me right now, if you were free and you were you were not in bondage to fear and enslaved by it, what would you be doing for the kingdom of God? 
And those are the stories we believe will light up heaven. <laughs> and so we don't want you to miss your story. So next week, we're going to talk about how you don't do that. <laughs>